Hello, friends. Welcome. Oh, my goodness. I have my friend who jokingly say that her name is Lindsay Letters. <laughs> That's not her real last name, but her account is Lindsay Letters. And so I think of her as Lindsay Letters in my, in my mind. <laughs> she agreed to let me call her Lindsay Letters. And she's just going to call me Sharon Say So. Like, that's my last name. So, oh my goodness. Y'all have got to hear this conversation about something remarkable from the state of Arizona. So let's dive in. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am so excited to have you here today, Lindsay. This has been a long time coming. I'm such a huge fan. I've been a fan of yours for many years. So we'll, we will outfan you. I already like my whole team, my best friends, our squad were just like the biggest supporters of you. Oh. We like need Sharon says so cheer uniforms. So tell everybody if they're if not already following Lindsay Letters, which everybody thinks is your real last name and it's not, but I think it's fun to call you Lindsay Letters. Tell everybody what you do. So I'm an artist. I am a graphic designer by trade, but I'm also a painter and a lettering artist. And I sell my artwork online at lindsayletters.co. I've been doing it for about 10 years in that regard. Mm -hmm. And before that I did wedding invitations, but that seems like a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's one of my day jobs. My other day job is I'm a mom and I get to communicate with people over the internet through Instagram mostly, although I'm like a grandma on the, on the Instagram. (laughs) I don't understand this new way of life with the dancing and the pointing to things and stuff, but I like to joke that it's a long running joke that when I went on the daily show with Trevor, Trevor Noah, he told me I was not a thirst trap and I was like, Oh, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. I try to have a little more substance to offer. Like this is not (laughs) just me on a tropical beach in a bikini. That's not my account. Yes. Thank you. I'm not a thirst. Correct. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. Like we can't all be thirst traps. Not everybody can. No, we can't. I was telling you earlier that I woke up in the hospital today because my daughter Ava is there. She's medically complex and she's been in the hospital for a while. And I was telling the nurses that I had a podcast interview today and they were like, ah, as long as it's not on video. And I thought (laughs) like, it's not, but what if it was? So I clearly am not a thirst trap either, either. <laughs> but I do, I do love the community that we have through my business and through our mm-hmm. family. It's just been like, it's such a sweet space, but our Instagram feed is a total mess of like personal life. And then there's like, here's some artwork. Mm-hmm. It's like deeply personal. I'm crying in the car. And then it's like, also art, like mm-hmm. also pretty things, mm-hmm. but that's life, right? That's right. I, and I, I, lo- I personally enjoy it. I love seeing that mixture of things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I have a fun story that I want to share with you. So, okay, we're going to go back in time, back to, you know, like World War II. Actually, we're going to go even back farther than that. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Navajo Nation in Arizona. So have you, have you traveled in like Arizona, Utah, Colorado, like New Mexico, like that four corners area? So I lived in Arizona for a while, just for a year. Yeah. Ava was two. I grew up around, well, in Rockford outside of the Chicago area by a couple hours. And I've been like a Midwest girl and never really traveled much. But when we moved to Arizona, I, we drove and I remember being, feeling so grateful for the drive to kind of like have just woken up and been like, or gotten on a plane and now you live in Arizona, just everything about it felt so different than my Midwest self, but to like drive across country and to see the landscape change before my eyes almost Mm -hmm. felt like my brain more could reconcile, like how I got there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It, It didn't just, it wasn't magical transportation. Yeah. So driving through New Mexico is really where like I couldn't believe it, the colors and just Mm -hmm. like, I loved it. And I mean, Arizona, we just were totally smitten the quirkiest, funnest place for us. I think you either Mm -hmm. love it or you don't. Have you spent time there? Yeah. Uh, My husband grew up in Northern Arizona, up in the mountains. And I've been to Arizona a number of times and it is such a unique place. Of course, I, I grew up and live in Minnesota. And so I'm used to my like trees and water and lakes and rocks. And so it does seem so you're like, what is this now? This is a cactus, you know, like it, it just seemed like, look at that. Yeah, look, like look at almost that. gimmicky, like cactuses yeah. in real life. Yeah. Like this yeah. Disneyland version of cactus knows real. Oh no. Yeah, it is. It's such a different place, but I actually couldn't believe Northern Arizona, how foresty. Oh yes. Very much. So mountains, forest they get four seasons they get snow in the winter it's a, definitely a misconception that arizona is all just desert yeah going back to the navajo nation which is the largest native american reservation in the united states geographically the navajo nation reservation is larger than the state of west virginia so that just to give you a little bit of context about how large wow. of a space that we're talking about. And again, some of it encompasses those different states 
Arizona, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. It's not just solidly within one state. And during the era of World War II, there were roughly 50,000 Navajo tribe members. Okay. Sorry. So when you say Navajo nation, I'm picturing a map and then it's overlapping these other spaces. So when you mm-hmm. say Navajo nation, what defines that? Mm. It's a and reservation. Have, it's a, so a whole it's a, reservation. Yes. Okay. It's a geographical designation. That's gigantic. That's, That's gigantic. gigantic. Bigger than, yeah. bigger than West Virginia. Yes. yes I didn't know huge. if you were just describing the people group that inhabit that or if it was specifically a reservation, but yeah, that's yes. huge. Yes. It's a reservation. And of course it, the Navajo are a people group and they are a very ancient people group. Like many indigenous people to the United States, they have documented history going back many thousands of years. In fact, there are places in New Mexico that have ruins older than the Egyptian pyramids. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that, we always think about America being kind of a young country, you know, we've only been here, you know, a few hundred years and sure the Europeans have only been here for a few hundred years, but indigenous people have inhabited North America, particularly the Southwestern portion of the United States for many thousands of years. And one of the things that makes the Navajo unique in the context of the story is that they have a unique language. And they have a large group of tribe members. So during the 1800s, the United States, I mean, frankly, throughout the United States' history, it treated the indigenous people of North America very poorly, right? Right. This is extremely well documented. This is not a secret that so many indigenous people were just wiped off the map for a variety of reasons, including contagious illness to which they had no immunity, including wars in which Europeans wanted to kick indigenous people off of the land that they wanted, including military crusades led by people like Andrew Jackson, who was, you know, a military general before he became the United States president, in which the entire southeastern portion of the United States was subject to the Indian Removal Act, in which it was basically saying all of y'all need to get off of your ancestral lands, and in many cases have to walk through what is now known historically as the Trail of Tears, walk thousands of miles to the new place that they were designated to live, which is Indian country and what is mostly Oklahoma now. But it also, the United States set up this system of reservations right? In which certain portions Mm -hmm. of land would be reserved to indigenous people and the rest would be fair game to other people who wanted to settle it. And very often those reservations were land that was not uh, something that other people wanted to farm. And we also, again, without spending this whole episode talking about the U.S. history with the indigenous people of North America, the idea that we removed children from their families and sent them to boarding schools in the effort to assimilate them into European culture. They had to cut their hair, stop speaking the language, dress in, according to European standards, a convert to Christianity. So the Navajo nation was very unique in that it was very large. When I say it was like 50,000 people, that was large by the 1940s. It was a large right. group of indigenous people living together and they had a common language amongst themselves. And so beginning in the era of World War II of 1940s, there were about 540 Navajo tribe members who served as Marines during World War II. 
But the reason I bring this up is there was this man in 1942, his name is Philip Johnston, and he was the son of missionaries, and he grew up on the Navajo reservation. He came up with an idea after reading a newspaper article about Native American soldiers in World War II. He later approached higher-ups in the United States military with this idea that the United States could use indigenous languages to North America as a way to communicate in the United States military in an unbreakable code. Have you heard of the Navajo Code Talker program? No. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about is the Navajo Code Talkers. And of the over 500 members of the Navajo Nation that served in the military, about 400 of them during World War II were involved in the Code Talker program. So this is what uh, a historian of this program had to say. He says, in the early part of World War II, the enemy, which of course were Axis powers, the enemy was breaking every military code that was being used in the Pacific. This created a huge problem for strategizing against the enemies. So of course, today we're like, well, who is listening in? You know, like we're so used to our, te- our text communications, right? That if you think about it, if you are sailing on a vessel on the Pacific Ocean, your means of communicating with your other vessels is with radios, right? Like you have, you communicate with the radio and you couldn't just be like, what's up buddies? We're approaching this parallel and we're going to anchor there tonight. I'm making this up. You couldn't just say these things. You're obviously a natural. I'm a natural at communicating via marine radio. radio. Marine radio. Yes. But you couldn't just say those things. It had to be said in code, right? So that your enemies could not understand what it is that you were trying to communicate. Well, the problem was, is that the enemy was excellent at breaking codes, They were breaking every code the United States military came up with, and that put us in a very, very bad position militarily. If you can understand what your enemy is going to do in advance because you broke the code they were using to communicate, then that puts you at a vulnerable state. Right. I've seen a movie about this, about a break. I mean, not the Navajo code talkers, but about this. I, I feel like I'm an expert is what I'm saying. I've watched people break a code because <laughs> there was a movie I saw some time ago and I can't remember, but I can visualize what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there are people who have a very specific skill set, like their mind works in such a way that it allows them to see patterns and to do this type of work. Like a beautiful so, mind. Yes. Yes. So Johnston goes to the Naval office in Los Angeles to propose his program. And they were like, well, that is interesting. Why don't you go talk to this other person in San Diego? He gets referred to the Major Jones's office at Camp Elliott in San Diego. And in this proposal, I mean, like he wrote a proposal. He stressed that the Navajo people's extremely unique and unwritten language and their isolated geographic location made it a perfect fit to use in code. Why? Because nobody who lived overseas, nobody in Japan, nobody in Germany spoke Navajo. 
it was not a language you could learn unless you were a native speaker. There was no Navajo book because it was an unwritten language. It is unique to the indigenous people of North America and it is unwritten. And so his idea was this would be perfect for military code. And additionally, because of the United States' history of sending native children to boarding schools, there was a growing number of people on the Navajo reservation who could speak Navajo fluently, but who could also speak English fluently. So the major that Johnston gets referred to is very skeptical. He's like, "Mm, you know, it seemed, it seemed like a weird idea. He didn't have any familiarity with this until Johnston invites him to like, let's just test it. We have guys here that can, you know, that, that speak Navajo, let's try it out. And they brought in four Navajo speakers and asked them to demonstrate sending and receiving six messages that were coded in the Navajo language. And the major after that was convinced. And they began to develop a program that would codify the Navajo code talking program that they made a point of never, ever, ever writing down. None of this was ever written down so that in the event that somebody who worked with this program or somebody was serving on a naval Mm -hmm. vessel, that even if they were captured by the enemy, there would not be a book that they could, or a piece of paper that they could pick up and use it to break the code. So- It feels like it had to be such a very specific time in history because it feels like if they had been teaching this for any longer, there would have been a textbook Mm -hmm. created for it. Yeah, somebody would have written it down somewhere. Eventually, right. That's right. And so, sorry, Johnson was not Navajo. He He was the son of a missionary that was. That's right. But the generosity of the Navajo serving in our U.S. military were like, yes, we'll help you with this. Yes. To yes. me, that is incredible. Like my mm-hmm. personality is like, did they ask for permission? Like, mm-hmm. did they, and mm-hmm. they were just so such willing. Can you just take our language? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can be over, I'd have, I would have been like, let's, I don't know. That is just incredibly generous and so cool. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, very specific to that time period. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very any much later, so. Any earlier, it wouldn't have worked. Any later, it wouldn't have worked. So true. So true. What a unique moment in history. You're, you're absolutely right. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no. Oh no, that is not a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi whole body deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72 hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, 
It was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkin's products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. Not only did they have some members of the military who were Navajo speakers, they went and recruited more at the reservation. And in May of 1942, 29 Navajo men arrived in San Diego to participate in this program, to receive the linguistics training that they needed, not because they needed to learn how to speak Navajo, but because they needed to understand about military codes in general. And they began to set up a radio code program that was made up of words that were selected from the Navajo language and then applied to military phrases. So it initially featured 211 terms that would be used and it later expanded to over 400 terms. Now, of course, the Navajo language doesn't have any words that mean things about ships. Missile? Or like I would just, the words that they would have never had to use before in a good way. (laughs) Like, right. Correct. Even again, if you're thinking about people that are indigenous to the American Southwest, they don't have a large vocabulary related to water, water, the ships, different types of ships, aircraft carriers, you know, all of these things. They did not have, uh, you know, a one for one. What's the Navajo word for aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that's not a thing. Yeah. So right. they needed to develop uh, specific 
set of codes that made sense to the native speakers. They began to try to think of ways that they could make it make sense in Navajo. So for example, a ship, the the Navajo words that they used for the word ship meant sea force, like ocean force. Something related to a patrol plane was the Navajo word for crow. So again, that is the general idea. And they had to learn, there's this like 17 page booklet of how codes work. And so they had to become very familiar with how codes work because they couldn't just go on the radio and begin speaking fluent Navajo. There's a very specific order that things have to be said in. And again, it has to be understandable to the mostly European Americans who are receiving the messages, right? right. So yeah. That's the other thing is that other people had to learn what the code was. So they took Navajo words and assigned them English letters so that things could be spelled out. You could spell things using Navajo words. So for example, we think about like acrostics of like, Lindsay is lovely, intelligent, etc. Like the letters of your name, you right. have a word for each mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. They did that with Navajo words and they assigned Navajo words, English letters so that people could spell things in English using Navajo words. And it's again, like, nobody speaks Navajo. There's a huge whiteboard for this program. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That program eventually expanded. They eventually Amazing. created 44 different sounds that had different Navajo words. And during the development of this co-talkers program, the Marine officials were stunned at how quickly Navajo Marines could transmit, receive, and decode messages from other code talkers much faster than receiving a coded message that they had developed in English because it was almost like having a one-to-one -one conversation for native Navajo speakers. That's amazing. So no other form of military code before or since has ever been as fast or as accurate. That's and because so cool. it was so successful, they then began recruiting other men. This program eventually swelled to over 400 men. And so out in the field during World War II, half of the original 29 Navajo code talkers were shipped overseas to join the U.S. Marines who were really prepping the first offensive move in the Pacific Guadalcanal. And they were the first sort of place in the field to demonstrate that their code could be successful. They were sort of assigned in pairs to a military unit and one person would operate the portable radio while the other person would relay and receive messages in the native language and then translate it to English so that the other people on the ship could understand. And this was extraordinarily difficult because Japanese soldiers would purposely target officers. They would target medics. They would target radio mm -hmm. men because those mm -hmm. were integral to the functioning of the ship. Mm -hmm. So code talkers had to keep moving as they translated messages. You could not just be like, I'm going to sit here in this office and work on this. <laughs> Pull up a seat at a coffee shop. That's, that's right. Out. That's right. You had to continually keep moving so that you would be very difficult to target. And they were literally translating code while moving through Pacific jungles. Is that not incredible? I can't incredible? compute that. It's not, there's no anything else in my life that would make me That's understand. Right. No, no, there is no, like, I don't understand it. 
just in their minds? Is there, that's right. There's nothing written down. They did all of this in their minds without writing anything down because writing it down is what part of what made it dangerous. Writing it down is what would make it breakable. So they're walking through jungles, translating code on behalf of the United States military. (laughs) Yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. There's nothing else that's mind blowing. Isn't that so cool? Hi, friends. It's Sharon. If you enjoyed a recent episode with author and public theologian Issa Macaulay, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you. No Small Endeavor. Produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, No Small Endeavor is an acclaimed podcast series that explores what it means to live a good life. Each episode, host and award-winning theologian Lee C. Camp brings you thoughtful conversations with artists, philosophers, politicians, and theologians like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson about what it means to find true happiness and flourish in our everyday life. So don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And tell them I sent you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So they had to do all of this in real time in their minds like as it's happening in their minds. And here's what one of them said about, you know, having worked on this project, we acted as coding machines, transmitting messages that would have taken a couple of hours in just a couple of minutes. Navajo code talkers who were part of the Marine Corps landed on the beach in Iwo Jima on February 19th of 1945. One of the code talkers was in the first wave of attacks and five more would later follow as the invasion sort of progressed. And they're doing this while being shot at, right? Like they're facing mortar rounds. They're doing all of this absorbing and translating of these coded messages. I mean, I'm like, I have to write down my three things I'm getting at Target. Like that, right? Like that, (laughs) right? I'm just picturing any of the war movies I've seen and like traversing that jungle and then just, yes, that's right. And during the course of this assault on Iwo Jima, Kotaker sent and received 800 coded messages and there were zero mistakes. 
during say that, that again yeah right like zero mistakes 800 messages while they are carrying out an invasion and being shot at is that not incredible that's incredible and just to think i hope that they've felt just such a sense of pride to that the navajo mm-hmm nation got to have offered this language as such a service and then to be able to have just like done it you know mm-hmm. I'm such a all my friends listening to this are probably like I like credit <laughs> and, <laughs> and I like to be able to celebrate of like a win mm-hmm. in like just to be like look what like we offered this thing and it worked and we did it we did such a good job but then to also be doing that under extreme stress like I don't conditions how do you get trained for that because I would imagine being in the like in the figure it out part of the language and the code and all of that would be like yeah you're writing it down you know what workbooking it with all Mm -hmm. these people in the room but to be practicing it deciphering it in a jungle under extreme Mm -hmm. like not pressure but like you might die you might Mm -hmm. die you could have just lost a buddy a second ago Mm -hmm. I can't like and not just that, like, we're talking about one man was able to do this, but, mm-hmm. but like a community, yeah, yes. hundreds, hundreds of men that feels unworldly to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. That's, isn't that incredible? Amazing. Yes. Yeah. So the Navajo code is the only spoken military code to have never been deciphered. And I think that is just like, that is just something that is so, so special. But here is the other thing. We continue to use Navajo code talkers during um, the Korean War and up into the beginning of the Vietnam War, but it was completely classified. Of course, you could not tell a soul that there was, there were Navajo code talkers. The people needed to not know about that because if they knew they were Navajo, then they could try to figure out something they could you know kidnap somebody or you know they might have had tools to be able to decipher it but they did not know that they were navajo and so this was 100 percent classified people who participated in it could not even tell their families that this is what they did one of them said when we got out and were discharged they told us this thing that you guys did is going to be a secret and when you get home you don't talk about what you did And they were not allowed to discuss it for over 25 years. The American public didn't know. Their families were not allowed to know. They were not allowed to go home and be like, I feel amazing that I was able to participate in this way. And it was not until the 1980s when Ronald Reagan issued a certificate of recognition to the Code Talkers and proclaimed August 14th as Navajo Code Talkers Day. It was not until the 1980s that the American public became became aware that this was even a thing. And so then in 2014, Arizona passed legislation declaring that every August 14th is Navajo Code Talkers Day in Arizona. And in the 1990s, they got an exhibit at the Pentagon and they were honored to their con- honored for their contributions to the defense of the United States. The display had like photographs and equipment and portions of the code and a, a small explanation of how the code worked. And, you know, there was, so was it just unnecessary? I guess this could be a dumb question, but like, why do we know about it now? 
why is it just the technology made this? Yeah, we don't need we don't right. we don't need the same kind of radio communications because we have satellites now. Yeah, and so, so since that was in the forties, I mean I, that population of people that actually participated is, you know, older mm-hmm. and that's right. Well, talk about delayed gratification in mm-hmm. that regard. Yes, yes. In 2001, all 29 of the original um, Navajo Code Talkers were awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. And there are four that are still alive. And their names are Thomas Begay, John Kinsel, Samuel Sandoval, and Peter McDonald. They're all over 90 years old. One of them we gave an interview them. in 2021. Peter McDonald did. And he said, what Navajo code word do I want our Navajo young people to never forget? Nihima. And I hope I'm saying that correctly, which means our mother, which is the code word that we used for America. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we're just like misty eyed. <laughs> Both of us, but better people than I think I could be mm-hmm. in that I mean, I guess there's no way to know, but they gave their actual, and you know, they had their, their actual lives and what they had, you know, mm-hmm. after having so much taken from them, that they're, mm-hmm. that to offer your language, I can only imagine how personal that is and that they like, I don't know, did that for us. Mm-hmm. It, I love what you just said too, that they gave what they had. They weren't that, you know, that and what they had was incredibly valuable. And it might have seemed like nothing. Like I grew up speaking this way. Like this is not, I didn't make it up, but it's what they had. And what they had was after um, giving so much. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or fun little fact, which was in 1999, uh, Hasbro released like a GI Joe figurine that was of a U.S. military well, Navajo code talker. That's great. And it that's- said, said seven phrases in both Navajo code and English. Um, and they're out of, you know, they don't make them anymore, but you can find them on eBay and things like that. Oh, I mean, we should have like bought those before this podcast on your merch store. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Put them with your merch. Oh, Lindsay, this was so so fun. It was so fun to share this with you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, thank you. And I am like, I really am so blessed to hear this story. I'm like dumbfounded by it. It's crazy to me. It's going to stick with me and probably a lot of most of your listeners for a long time, but I was telling you before this aired that I just, one of the reasons my team and my friends love you so much is because you take what you have and you offer it for Mm -hmm. good. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why you have such good developed community of people that Mm -hmm. love you and love what you're doing. Like, that's just something that you, you practice. And I think in a world where so much stuff is wrong, you just, have done it before people were paying attention even mm-hmm. that you're like, this is what I have to offer and I'm going to use it. And then other people are like, okay, well, this is what I have to offer, even if it's mm-hmm. small and just to watch that play out. So I think it's such a cool story for you to share because you're already doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we Thank love you. you. Thank you. Well, tell <laughs> everybody where to find you, because I want people to see your beautiful artwork. Mm, thank you. Well, so it's sold at lindsayletters.co. And of course I'm biased, but it's just a fun shopping experience. One of the things I'm really passionate about is just how to make shopping on the, on the internets feel mm-hmm. like, like funner. 
and mm -hmm. more personal. So you can, you pick out art and then you get to customize it the way that you like it. And we love getting to see it in everybody's homes and how they can make it their own. So it's paintings and lettering, and you can find it at lindsayletters.co. And we have a code and it's Sharon says, so exciting. Thank <laughs> I know you. Thank we you the code. thought really hard about how to make that. So <laughs> and unique um, and it will get you 15% off so Thank um, you. yeah 15% off so for nice. your listeners so we'd love for people to pop in and check it out and mm. hope that they love it and I, thank you, you again know. for having me oh this is truly a pleasure thank you Lindsay thanks on behalf of all the people that know me they're all you know tell Sharon <laughs> thanks thanks for letting you come on oh we'll thank talk you. soon okay thanks Sharon Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.